This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com. I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim365 writer, reporter, radio host, also joined by Grayson Grundhafer, director of broadcasting, also team and recruiting reporter for Sikkim365. And this is the next-to-last podcast, thank the Lord, before the season gets underway. It has been a very long wait now at this point, and we are down to the final couple of podcasts before the 2022 Baylor Bears finally take the field for their first contest against Albany. So we are almost there, just a little bit longer and a little more time to preview, and that's some of what we will continue to do today. But uh, Grayson, how are you doing this week, man? I'm doing good. I, I think we talked about this a little bit before the show, but just ready for the season to get here, right? Ready to actually see football instead of just preview it and you know, kind of give our opinions on it, ready to actually see it in front of us. So I'm excited for that. It's been another good week. Fall camp uh, coming to a close. It's almost over, and so I- I'm really excited for them to get ready for game week and get ready for the season to get rolling also just excited to watch college football a little bit this weekend uh, with week zero so a lot of fun a lot of excitement but I know you and I are both ready for the season to get here oh I'm gonna bang my head against the wall if it doesn't get underway pretty soon yeah um, I'm, I'm more than ready uh, at this point I I feel like I've said everything to say you know or looked at every angle in my own time or on TV time or whatever and yeah I'm, I'm ready to see some actual games at this point you know we've talked all about Quinn Ewers. We've talked all about Lincoln Riley. We've talked all about Dave Arando. We've talked all about everything um, under the sun in college football, all this realignment. I mean, and I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. But like, ultimately, I do want to see games. You know, I I don't want to just talk about who could be the best. I want to, I don't know, see who's the best, you know, and uh, that was what was fun about last year was seeing Jerry McVay make a play and seeing the Blake Shapin story come to fruition, and and now I just, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to see, you know, if Blake Shapin's really the dude, and I'm ready to see if Baylor can replace people on offense and defense to make another run in a title. Um, so, yeah, the, the previewing's been fun and all that, but, uh, man, thank the Lord that uh, some actual football is almost here so we can, you know, base it off of something that's, you know, ongoing and, and you know, not just – speculation from you know a practice back in in april you know so uh we we're almost there and uh the fall camp as a matter of fact uh, closing down uh that's where we are now at this point in the shutdown mode of the fall camp schedule where they've now gone behind closed doors and uh, had their last open practices last week grayson and uh, now uh, wrapping up uh, that part of it, media will not talk uh, to the team again until uh, next week, and Dave Aranda will have his Monday press conference, and then you know they'll have whatever media sessions that they have, and then, yeah, an actual game against Albany is right around the corner. So uh, here we are, and um, kind of uh, counting down the days till we'll get into, I guess next week really will be a full preview mode of, of what's going on. So this is like the last buffer week that's kind of that in-between stage so fall camp uh anything of interest coming out of that and you know i know we heard from dave aranda last weekend and several 
players have uh, circulated, you know, or, you know, rotated through the the media machine. I think we've heard from most of the position groups. So, uh, anything from last week's uh, media or just takeaways um, from talking to people or something that caught your eye uh, last week with Baylor football? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess let's just start with the simple fact that it's been pretty obvious the defense is continuing to play at a very, very high level. And I think Baylor fans should expect this defense to be, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be as good as last year, but I think it can be very, very close. I think that it probably doesn't have those couple guys where you go, man, that guy's just an absolute superstar taking over the game on the defensive side. But I think in general, they're going to be very, very solid and very deep on the defensive side. And they've played really, really well throughout fall camp. Um, and I, I think based on everything I've heard, the offense, you know, still has a ways to go. And that's to be expected. I mean, this is a defense that is great. Dave Aranda's great. And when the defense knows what plays are coming, that usually makes things a lot easier uh, on them. So I think the offense still has some work to do, but defensively, they're really emerging. Uh, the secondary, in particular, Devin Lemire, Devin Neal, uh, making a lot of plays out there. I think you're going to see a lot of diversity in their sets as far as you know when Al Walcott's completely healthy, he'll be out there. But you also have, like I said, Neil Lemire and Christian Morgan. Like, you got four guys who can really play a lot of different spots at the safety position. So I expect Devin Neal and Christian Morgan to rotate between boundary uh, and potentially star this year, along with Al Walcott playing star. So you're going to see kind of a mixture there. And then I'm curious if Devin Neal can play a little bit of field safety as well whenever they want to give Devin Lemire a break on the backside. But uh, very impressed by those guys. I think Baylor has solidified their safety position throughout fall camp, and I think that's a big deal going into the season as I think everyone felt like that could be a weakness. Uh, yeah. Um, so I guess Christian Morgan, uh, as the veteran, not going to be starting. We kind of know that, but uh, still obviously will be leaned on. And, yeah, um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like everything else, man. I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see these safeties out there. We've heard so much now. Um, and this defensive secondary that we've talked quite a bit about, I mean, basically replacing everybody. And then the one guy that was coming back is not even a starter uh, in Christian Morgan. So that's obviously very interesting. You would have kind of, I guess, in some cases, penciled that in. Are you thinking would generally take you that direction? But uh, I guess that speaks to the competition that they have. Yeah, and the thing with him is he played boundary last year, played star in the spring, so he knows those two positions extremely well. And so that's big. Last year they had Jaron McVay as their kind of next guy up at the safety position. I think Christian Morgan is going to be that this year for this team. And it's just such a, such a luxury to have a guy like that on your depth chart to come in and really fill in where needed. I think the biggest thing is, you know, he doesn't quite have the coverage ability to play field safety in a one high safety look, but when you put two high, it gives him more of a chance back there. And I think you're going to see that a lot, that two high safety look where you have Devin Lemire and then you got Devin Neal or Christian Morgan next to him without Walcott roaming at star or even Devin Neal at star as well. I could see that as a possibility. So these guys are all going to be interchangeable and I'm very excited to see how they do going through the year. Um, I think cornerback is still an area where I have a question mark. And I think it's kind of hard not to right? because 
when you move out Walcott, who had been the guy from last year, who everyone was like, okay, this next year he's going to take that step to being an elite Big 12 cornerback. Well, now he's gone, and now you're relying on guys who really don't haven't proven a ton. You know, Mark Milton's been there a long time, but I wouldn't say that Mark Milton is proven by any means as like a legit Big 12 cornerback. I still think he's got some stuff to prove. Lorando Johnson, uh, he moved there, so we'll see how he ends up doing. Tevin Williams, Reggie Bush, A.J. McCarty are some guys to keep an eye on, but I still think there's a lot of mix and matching at the cornerback position. That's definitely something that I think needs to be addressed before the season gets here. I I think that there's still some work to do at the cornerback spot. Well, um, not much time to do it in, huh? Right, right. And I'm not saying that they're way behind, but I am saying I think there's still some doubts as to who are the top three guys. You know what I mean? I think there's still some, not concerns, but question marks, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, At that spot. Um, I did want to hit on one more position, running back. Okay. And I think one guy who's kind of been, you know, everyone's been just kind of out on since last year because he didn't play very well is Quaylen Jones. And Quaylen has had a massive bounce back in fall camp. He has played really, really well. Uh, I mentioned Richard Reese last week. He's played really well also. And I think, you know, thinking about those two, I think they give them an opportunity if Squirrel were to miss time or anything like that. They have two guys who are very different as that third running back. Um, You got Quaylen, much more powerful, much stronger, um, just a bigger body, right, as a power back, downhill back. And then you have uh, Richard Reese, who's more the speed back, kind of like a squirrel, honestly, that shiftiness, one-cut running back, and then, of course, Tay McWilliams. But the emergence of Quaylen Jones has been massive, and I think if he can continue to play the way that he has uh, in fall camp, he gives them such, just so much more depth at running back, which I was, frankly, a little concerned about. And now I'm not as concerned about. So I think that's a pretty big deal as well that Quaylen may have finally hit his stride a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we know the squirrel's been banged up here as of late. Um, you know, I posted that note in the premium section, and then, you know, a few days later, uh, Smokey just straight up asked Aranda about it, and we don't know. Aranda's very, um, I guess, not secretive or shady or anything, but he does not talk about injuries. Yeah. Like, he barely says anything. Like, we could watch... Somebody get their head lopped off and ask him about it after the game and be like, that'd be okay. You know, like, <laughs> we, we don't know yet. We're we don't evaluating. know. We don't know yet. Yeah. We get like, we don't know yet. And he danced around it. And then I realized after he's done talking, like, he didn't say anything, yeah. basically. So, you know, to even get what we got out of, of him on that front was good. Um, just to kind of see where Squirrel is in the eyes of the team. But that's obviously going to be play it by ear. And I doubt we're going to see much of him against Albany. Um, that's not really where his importance is, is going to be is, is playing, you know, Albany in week one. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to have some other guys. I mean, it can't just be a freshman and Richard Reese that's, you know, carrying the load or a guy in Josh Fleeks who, you know, at this stage is certainly a great complimentary player but hasn't shown in his time that he's ready to be like a like – give him 15 carries a game and let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, take those two players out of the equation – um, and squirrel to the sidelines, and, you know, yeah, you need Quaylen Jones or somebody. I mean, and obviously Tay McWilliams is, like, the the number one he's guy. guy. Yeah. But, you know, he's going to need help, obviously. Um, Abram had Treston, and uh, Tay's going to need somebody, and I just can't be squirrel right out of the gates, uh, or you wouldn't expect it to be. And, again, not against Albany. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I mean, Quaylen Jones emerging would, would be huge news for this team. They need that, and he needs that, quite frankly, for his career at this point because, you know, he's been around long enough um, that it's about that time to start kind of seeing, you know, what all the buzz was about. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think those were the biggest things. We talked about wide receiver a little bit last week, which is still a little bit of a – not a mess, but just it, it's a lot of, oh, this guy might get some run, this guy might get some run. I think the more common thing is Josh Cameron's going to have a role, Monterey Baldwin's going to have a role. I think Seth Jones is starting to get to a point where it looks like he's getting close to solidifying himself with a role. Uh, Armani Winfield, he's right in that boat as well, and then you got Javon Gibson, Jalen Ellis trying to – to fight for playing time as well. So it's still kind of a big mess there, which is fine. You have the Albany game to figure that out, um, but you don't have much time after that because you go to Provo and you got to be able to have some guys that you trust. And thank goodness for Baylor, they have Ben Sims, who has been terrific once again during fall camp. And is probably going to be the most trusted wide receiver on this team as far as a every down chain mover. Um, some of the other guys hopefully will take the, the reins as far as deep threats and making big plays. But I think Ben Sims is going to be relied upon a ton. And he's had a very nice camp. Uh, yeah, he's going to be the, the go-to dude. I don't think there's any doubts about that. So here we are a uh, week prior or a little over a week and still have no idea what this wide receiver core is going to look like and really no idea what the secondary is going to look like. And so, therefore, uh, you see why I'm maybe a little bit more on the pessimistic side of things when it comes to just, like, 10 wins and boom, let's go. I mean, at first it was the road challenges that really kept me from going all in on you know, double digits uh, in the regular season. Now, overall, yeah, I still, still think that's very doable because we saw them do, you know, a great job of winning games 11 and 12 last year. Um, but to get to 10 wins in the regular season, again, is going to be really difficult with their schedule and with the question marks that they have. And I know they had some last year, but, um, yeah, quite the challenge in front of them. And, and, again, part of why, like, I mean, we've been talking about wide receivers for, like, 17 weeks in a row, and that's why I'm, I want to just see them now. Like, okay, who's the dude? Like, do they have a guy that's going to step up, or are we, like, a year away from this really young core being able to contribute in a meaningful fashion? And um, I think we've looked at it from a lot of different angles, and now we just need to see them out there. Like, is Seth Jones going to be that dude? Is it going to be a Hal Presley? Is it – uh, we know Ben. I, I think we've seen enough Ben Sims to know we feel all good about that. But and Drake Dabney and Drake Dabney, but you know that's two tight ends. Uh, you know where's that? Where's the rest of it coming from? Um, but you know Albany will be a good test run. You would think. Yeah, and they're gonna have to get a lot of guys reps. Like I see all those receivers getting reps in that game because you gotta see what you have, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times those guys don't flash until games. Um, sadly. Because uh, you really need guys to flash more often than that. But if you get to a game and then all of a sudden you look up and, you know, you got Javon Gibson going for, you know, 100 yards and a touchdown, you might be like, oh, okay, so maybe he's more of a dude than, than maybe we thought. Maybe he's a starting receiver. So uh, I'm very curious. I think right now, if I were to guess, it'd be Hal Presley, Monterey Baldwin, and Josh Cameron as the three guys. Those seem to be the guys that I've kind of heard about the most consistently and also just I feel the most confident in early in the season. All right, so anything else from fall camp? No, not really. Uh, I think those are the main things. Talked about a few of them, and we talked about a few last week as well. So I think that's a good point. We'll wrap it up next week um, as we you know, kind of preview the season and what we're expecting and kind of just wrapping up fall camp a little bit heading into the year. 
Yeah, um, it's it's knocking on the door that very first game, and uh, I'm ready to, to fling that door open and let it let it in. Uh, let let Albany come rolling into Waco, see some actual action, be able to break it down and talk about you know the the good, the bad, and the ugly, literally, and um, and then yeah, turn around and then it's BYU, and it's on after that. And there's no real letdowns, but that's why we talk about it all year long as to get to this point. So I'm I'm more than ready, if you can't tell, to, to see the ball roll out at McLean. Um, fall camp's been fun. It's been enlightening in some ways. But, uh, yeah, it's it's time to get some questions answered and see how Dave Aranda and staff do after a, a banner year and how can they possibly follow that up. And, uh, quite frankly, there's tons more storylines. I mean, this is definitely not going to be the, you know, the, the – second of the next 10 years of this staff is going to be together. I mean, I think that's very clear. This is a staff that's probably going to get a lot of attention, already has gotten a lot of attention. And, um, you know, the more success they have, the more you're going to hear names like Jeff Grimes being brought up all across the country. And that's great. They've got an incredible staff, and I'm ready to see them back out there doing their thing once again with this uh, this young group of players. But good mix of veterans as well, and that's where the optimism comes from. Um, just all that combined together. So, uh, yeah, pretty soon we'll see Blake shaping out there, game number one, and see what he can do for 12 weeks at the helm after, you know, what a story that turned out to be for him last year with Gary Bohannon starting and then Blake eventually helping lead them to a Big 12 title. Uh, What's in store this year? We're about to find out. So, uh, elsewhere outside of fall camp, like I said, they shut it down, so it's uh, behind closed doors for the next week and a half or so. Uh, but you had a couple of preseason All-Americans announced. Uh, Connor Galvin and Apu Ika uh, picking up second-team honors from the Associated Press preseason All-American team. So Galvin now in his fifth year, Ika Jr. Uh, they've been pretty much constants across most uh, preseason teams that I've seen. And if you were to probably pick like who are the most recognized Bears at the end of this season, I think these would be two very solid candidates um, you know, to have near the top of the list. But, um, yeah, been racking up some honors. Uh, others have as well. But uh, in the latest, it is uh, Ika and Galvin with a preseason, S, uh, preseason um, AP All-American and honors. Yeah, and this is just a great honor for them. They've been really great Bears, and I think they're two guys who, like you said, are the most recognizable. And I think it just kind of solidifies things with Baylor's offensive and defensive lines. Um, you know, they're very, very good this year. And they're going to be counted on throughout the entire season. Uh, Apu is such a luxury. And I don't know that people really recognize how good he is and how impactful he is just because you're not going to see, you know, 20 sacks or whatnot from him. Uh, but to have an elite nose tackle like him is just a complete game changer. And we saw that last year. His impact was massive. Um, and he's going to have that same impact this year. So very happy somebody recognized that out of him. And then as far as Connor Galvin goes, he's been phenomenal since the moment he stepped on campus. He took his lumps as a freshman, as most guys do, because he was forced into early action. And he's gotten better every single year. So very impressed by him um, and very impressed by both these guys. And who knows, maybe Baylor can add another AP All-American before the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would think that, you know, Dylan Doyle is a potentially that type of guy. I don't know about too many others uh, outside of that. But, yeah, Galvin in his last run as well, um, you know, another person uh, or aspect of this team to really appreciate uh, now for the next few months because he's definitely going to be a guy who we're talking about, you know, next April and the draft and all that. So this is his last big run. And with Ika, it could very well be his last big run as well as a junior. Uh, all that remains to be seen. 
um, and that's down the line. But, you know, just for me, just kind of appreciating every Saturday that we do get. Like, that's one of the things I'll be, you know, hey, this staff is incredible, and I'm going to enjoy them while I can. And then same thing with some of these players, and, and those are definitely two of those players. It's their last run in green and gold, uh, yeah. potentially. Yeah, and I think you mentioned, well, I also think Ben Sims could find his Oh yeah, there as yeah. well. He's yeah. kind of the other one, just if he gets enough Sims, targets. Doyle, Galvin, I mean, really – those guys are all no-brainers, I think, because um, they're all seniors or fifth-year yeah. seniors. Ika is the one who's a junior, right. so in theory, he could have more time. That all remains to be seen. You yeah. know, that's all TBD. But you know, nose tackles don't grow on trees like him. And if he stays healthy, you think he's going to have a pretty productive year. And most people know about him at this point. So yeah, I mean, just enjoy these guys while they're out there. Cause you know, it's kind of weird now that Jalen Petrie's no longer running out there. Terrell Bernard and as JT long Woods. as they were around, it still feels like it was kind of quick that they're suddenly not around anymore. So that is crazy definitely, it, yeah. Enjoy these guys while you can. Um, elsewhere, a uh, little recruiting news on the football side of things. Yeah, so I, I just kind of wanted to do a little bit of a reset in the 2024 class because I know Garrett and I were talking a little bit earlier, and so I wanted to kind of bring it up a little bit. But I keep getting all these questions about DJ Lagway, the quarterback out of Willis. And, you know, legacy. Yeah, he's a legacy. He's a Baylor legacy. His dad went to Baylor. And so I think, obviously, a lot of people want to know what's going on with his recruitment. But at this very moment, I don't know that Baylor is truly a contender right now in his recruitment. I think there's a long way to go in his recruitment, but right now it just seems like he's trending in other directions. And, you know, that happens at times. And honestly, that's happened to Baylor a lot with legacies. But I just wanted to kind of make and put an emphasis on the fact that Baylor's offered four other quarterbacks in the 2024 class. Um, I'd say Dylan Riola is committed to Ohio State. So, I, you know, that one probably not realistic. But the other three, uh, Marcos Davia, you got Mabry Matwire, and you got Trey Owens. You got three guys who Baylor really likes. And they're three guys who I think Baylor would be very happy with landing in their 2024 class. So, all hope is not lost at the quarterback position, even if they don't land DJ. Um, but I think a lot of people are putting all their eggs in this DJ Lagway basket, and I'm just not sure if that's the most realistic scenario at this time. And I also think it's important to go look at the other 2024 quarterbacks because Baylor's offered some really good ones, and the state of Texas has much better quarterbacks in this class than they did in the 2023 class, where we know it's pretty much just Jackson Arnold and Austin Novosad. And so I, I just I think that's an important topic to talk about, just because. I think everyone's got this impression that Baylor has to land DJ Lagway in the 2024 class when that's just not necessarily the case. Baylor got their guy in 2023. They're going to get another guy who's probably going to be more of a project, a guy that might have to wait a little while before his time, and that might be what they roll with. And so just keep expectations tempered a little bit at this time. I know Baylor's still recruiting him, don't get me wrong, but right now I think he's trending in other directions. All right. Uh, certainly, there will be some disappointed to hear that, but recruiting is the long game. So, um, you know, he's not signing this December or right. February. A lot can change between now and, you know, whenever Lagway, I guess a year from December, uh, finally gets a chance to, to properly sign. So, right. And yeah, it's just long where things are trending. It's yeah. just kind of where things are at right now. You know, on the flip side, in 2023, Baylor didn't offer a lot of guys, they just heavily targeted Austin Novosad, and then that was it. And so I don't think that's going to be the case in the 2024 class. They've extended more offers, built more relationships. So it's a little bit more spread out than it was in last year's class. 
Yep, so I've definitely seen him, uh, you know, all over Twitter. It was like a video he put out the other day. His father, you know, had Baylor mentions or uh, pictures of him and his dad growing up and all that. So, yeah, there's definitely that uh, that very prominent tie-in. But as you said, it doesn't mean that uh, necessarily that's going to just translate to him doing the same thing his dad did. And it hasn't really been the case for Baylor. Yeah, I don't even know when that's actually happened for Baylor. Honestly, (laughs) I think they're like 0 for 15 since I've been around at least in in trying to land legacies. So that's, yeah, even when they were like flying high, they, you know, and and they are now once again, but um, that's that's nothing new no matter what time period we're really talking about. Uh, Strange, but it's the way it's worked out so far. So we'll definitely keep track on DJ Lagway and plenty of other players in the 2024 class. Again, a long way to go uh, to get there. Uh, meanwhile, men's basketball note, Grayson. Yeah, so I think this was a pretty impactful note. Um, Hillcrest Prep uh, out of Arizona. So this is in Phoenix, Arizona. Jason Asimoda, 2024 small forward. Um, he's 6'8", 190. Uh, very, very interesting prospect. A guy Baylor offered a while ago, but he released his top eight. And Baylor made his top eight. They were inside his top eight schools, along with Memphis, Ohio State, Arizona State, Oregon, Stanford, Kansas, and LSU. Very diverse list there from the West to the East. Um, Lots of different conferences represented as well. But he's currently the number 12 player in the entire country for the 2024 class. Uh, A five-star prospect, according to composite rankings. Um, And a guy that right now I would say is trending Baylor's direction. Uh, Ashley Hodge has a prediction in. 247 has some predictions in as well. Um, it just seems like things are trending for Baylor as they look to try to start the 2024 class. But he would be a huge one. I mean, he's got 22 offers. Um, is a guy that's been a riser throughout the summer and the spring. And is a guy who I think a lot of schools want. Um, but Baylor looking like they're in a great position. And I believe he's scheduled for his official visit this weekend. I actually think is when he's going to take his official visit to Baylor. So that's a big note as well as Baylor could potentially land him after this weekend, which (laughs) imagine the start to the 2024 class with that. Yeah, he is uh, scheduled to visit this weekend and based on his uh, lists down to eight schools, Baylor, Arizona States, Kansas State, Ohio State, Oregon, Stanford, Kansas, LSU. That's not how do you gonna have two posts next to each other have different teams? Come on now, let's look at his actual graphic: Memphis, Arizona State, Ohio State, Oregon, Stanford, LSU, Kansas, Baylor. Those are the eight uh, for Jason Asamoda, five star in the uh, 2024 class, as you mentioned from Hillcrest Prep. So. Uh, yeah, that would be massive. I see that he's he's definitely warming uh, on the Baylor side of things uh, as that starts to, you know, get out there amongst the recruiting systems. So that seems to be the trend. And uh, yeah, that would be uh, massive news for Scott Drew and company who have kind of, um, yeah, they've just sort of always remained in the news cycle. But I guess it's been a little kind of quiet, I guess a tad bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there had to be at some point, and it's about to get ramped right back up, especially if they can land a guy like uh, Asamoto soon. Yeah, and in the 2023 class, they already have Jacoby Walter yeah. committed and Miro Little. They're right. the number nine class in the country right now in 2023. They might not even take you know another freshman in that class. Maybe they'll take one more. Um, but no one committed yet in 2024, so this would be a great start. Another player with length which we know they love. They love guys who are long, can guard, can shoot. Um, and Asimoto looks like a guy who could be a pro 
Um, so yeah, that'd be a tremendous start. And we know they're just ramping it up on the recruiting side of things. They've been landing guys who fit their culture extremely well while also being extremely talented. Um, we haven't even really talked a lot about basketball, but you know, I have high, high hopes and expectations for this team next year. So if they can keep this momentum going, recruiting is just going to continue to take off. Yep. Um, they are on a good run and, uh, that run, despite, you know, losing coaches and, um, guys going off the NBA uh, looks to continue, and that's you know what you want when you build up a program the way Scott Drew has. So yeah, keep an eye out on the 2024 class and some potential movement there, uh, but the good kind. And uh, yeah, Scott Drew just uh, keeps doing his thing. So good to see them continuing to have a good amount of momentum, even though the season's still a little bit of a, a ways away. All of that, not that far away uh, at this point. Um, does the name Jalen Garth? Ring a bell at all from recruiting? Just curious. Uh, offensive lineman. Familiar. Yeah. Oh, I was just wondering if I, I don't remember if Baylor was ever even involved with him at all, but uh, he just entered the transfer portal from where? Texas. Ooh. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, four star in the 2020 class, played in two games. That was just randomly came across my feed. So I couldn't recall if that was a name that would ring a Baylor bell very much, but. They offered him, but I don't know that there was ever much traction. Yeah, there. I mean, yeah, I wasn't trying to make this yeah. a story or anything. It was just a very random, like yeah. I said. Um, he had but, Alabama, Texas, Nebraska. I remember Ohio his State. name. Yeah. I remember his name, and I remember, I think he was part of, like, their big, like, beefing up the offensive line class. So just Grove, yeah, yeah, which is where Roshan Johnson played. And he's turned out to be there. a freaking stud. I he, mean, he is yeah. great running back, but this one, not quite the same. No, um, but, yeah, I just, just saw that come up cross so that offensive line they've been really beefing up the last couple years there's one departure and you know got passed up by a freshman i bet probably probably so anyways there was a there's a quick attrition note out of the current big 12 i got another just quick news nugget sure tom herman will be calling college football games for cbs sports this fall yeah interesting texas news nugget too yeah um i don't I don't like hate Tom Herman. It's weird. I, I feel like I'm supposed to, but I don't really like no. hate the guy. I think that I'd probably like him a lot more if he had never gone to Austin. Um, just because I think he sort of had found a good little pocket there at Houston and really could have taken full advantage. But I get the allure of going, you know, and doing what he did. But it did seem like when he got there, like probably a lot of his worst qualities came to the surface pretty quickly. And um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I thought a little less of him, but I mean, he's a he's a good coach, and um, I, like I said, I don't hate the guy, so good for him. Yeah, he just doesn't seem like the biggest personality. You know yeah, what I mean? That, yeah, that's yeah. not what I would say is his best quality. So I'm I'm very curious how he does. I'm sure he'll be great. I'm sure he knows the X's and O's extremely well. But I just I hope we get to see his personality shine through. Now, I wouldn't have said Urban Meyer had the most amazing personality either, and I thought he was really good on television. Um, and he's so we'll back, see. and he's back yeah, he's because back. you know we got to give him a, more. more opportunities. <laughs> yeah, couldn't ha- couldn't have anybody else in that seat, could we? Fox had to be Urban Meyer. Give him give him another break in life. Um, but yeah, good for Tom Herman. Um, that'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out. Because yeah, I don't necessarily just think of him as a as a broadcast type. But um, and for all those Nick Saban's retiring soon, a big contract extension for him. So that's fun day. I can't wait to check the Auburn message boards later on, <laughs> uh, or most of the SEC for that matter. Uh, one quick note, and there will be more changes, I'm sure, um, in 
the preseason NFL scope of things. Uh, I'm not going to get in-depth on some injuries that happened this past weekend, but weekend number two of three for Baylor players in the preseason wasn't nearly as fun as week number one when everybody was pretty healthy and scoring touchdowns. A um, couple of rookies got banged up. I'll have more on that in an article, but there was one release, and there might be more by the time the article posts. I don't know. Um, I'm sure there actually will be because they're – well – they're only dropping another five each team. So, in theory, Baylor could still come out of that relatively unscathed. But next week, it's just going to be a freaking bloodbath yeah. across the entire league um, because everybody's going to be dropping, you know, 20-something guys uh, next week. So, that's going to be uh, ugly for a lot of players. And I'm sure there will be a Baylor player, too, that gets caught up in, in that just massive amount of, of cuts. But this week, with it just being five per team, I don't know how many we'll see. Um, but we did see one already, and that was Jeremy McVeigh, cut by the L.A. Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions. So I uh, did get to see that, you know, in his final game with the Rams that they played the Texans, and I saw a picture of him and Petrie out on the field together, either in the pre- or post-game. And they both had big smiles on their faces and their NFL uniforms on. So that was a pretty cool moment to see captured. And, um, you know, not a guy that you thought was going to have a big, long NFL career to begin with. I was actually even surprised that he got to the sign free agent in training camp, you know, to the second round of cuts, honestly. Um, I just didn't, you know, really have that in mind. But I think that in itself is, is kind of a win. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of other leagues to play in, and he could always get another NFL opportunity. Um, but he's also – Definitely got the brain to go be successful outside of football as well. So I'm not worried about Jaron McVay as a point. But, yes, unfortunately, he did get cut by the Rams uh, yesterday. So one less player as of today um, on that Baylor NFL list. Yeah, like you said, not surprising, but good for him that he got to play against Petrie in an NFL game. That's really cool. Um, You know, kind of on the the downside, the Taekwon Thornton injury is -hmm. is a big bummer. Uh, Collarbone injury, I believe, is what it was. So he's going to miss – a lot of his rookie season it seems and that that's so terrible because he was having I think he was probably having the best camp of anyone uh that played at Baylor from what I could tell um not including Xavier Howard but I'm saying in this class he seemed to be the best and the most sure thing outside of Jalen Petrie to be a starter uh, but Taekwon was really making some noise potentially being the wide receiver one in New England and now he's going to have to wait a little bit before he gets his chance to make his debut in a regular season game. So I felt really bad for him. Um, it seems like things are not trending great for Abram Smith right now. Um, for the Saints, it looks like Tony Jones, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara are all ahead of him. So now he's going to have to work to try to get that fourth spot and just make the roster. Um meaning he's probably going to have to make somewhat of an impact on special teams if he wants to make it. And then the Ebner injury also, uh, he got a high ankle sprain injury. And so now um, I'm a little nervous about if he's going to be able to sustain success and actually be able to continue playing, um, you know, in the early part of the season. So I'm curious about him, and it came at the same time as Khalil Herbert getting injured as well. So Ebner was actually going to have an opportunity to start and play a ton of snaps, and instead he got hurt, and Darrington Evans got to come in. So now I think his projection of making the team is a little bit up in the air, but based on how he's done throughout camp, I still think he's going to make it, but still a bummer. Yep, so uh, some good and some bad news, and uh, we will see the uh, cuts later on today. And... You know, by 
Wednesday morning, I should have a piece out that's kind of clearing the air on where everybody stands, but we'll definitely have to uh, take Jerry McVeigh off that list and hopefully not too many others. But then again, next week, the real big cuts going down from, um, was it 85 to 53 or 80 to 53? I, I can't quite remember. Uh, I think they went 90 to 85 last week. So 85 to 80, I think is yeah. what it is. And then 80 to 53 next Tuesday. So yeah, 27 players off of every team is going to be getting cut. 27 players off 32 teams each. So yeah, that'll be quite the, uh, the mass uh, exodus from the uh, rosters um, in the NFL. But that's what we do every year, so be interesting to track, but uh, best of luck to Jaron McVay. All right, uh, elsewhere, uh, I think that's about it. Let's get into the mailbag and start off with uh, Scotty B, top five offenses for the Big 12 going into this season. Yeah, I got Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas State. And then after that, are we talking statistics? Like, oh, how many points do you put up? Because if that's the case, then you might see like a TCU or a Tech get in there just based on putting up points. Um, but I think efficiency, like, oh, this is a good offense. I think Oklahoma State will be fourth. And then I think it'll probably be TCU fifth just because one thing I do trust Sonny Dykes to do is score points. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to win football games, but I think they will score some points. So those would be my top five. Who, who'd you say again? Uh, Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and TCU. Mm, yeah, I think I'm mm, – you know, UT's O-line is problematic, but I would hope that they'd have some type of explosive True. offense. Um, I might consider them there. They should be in there, yeah. Um, but, you know, elsewhere – I mean, Tech with the the Kitley offense is is should be pretty explosive. Uh, they just named their quarterback. It's going to be Tyler Shuck from Oregon. Uh, ex, you know, a couple years ago, as of Oregon yeah. got hurt last year in Lubbock, um, and then West Virginia with Graham Harrell, Neil Brown. I mean, there would definitely be some contenders, but I mean, those are a solid five. I might switch around Texas for like uh, TCU, TC or Oklahoma State, maybe. Yeah. Um, those would be, be possibly the moves I'd make. But outside of that, I mean. Somebody you got you only can only have five, right. so um, that's kind of the year we're looking at in the the Big Twelve, where there are a lot of expectations for better offenses, and so with Baylor being a defensive team, but also having what you hope is a pretty explosive offense, it's going to make for some interesting football this year. Uh, which non-conference game for Baylor men's basketball and women's basketball intrigues you the most? For the men, I say Gonzaga and South Dakota, or road game against Marquette. For the women, I say Maryland because of how close it was last year though it could be Michigan if we play them in the Gulf Coast Showcase. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by, obviously, the Gonzaga game is number one on the list. I think Virginia in Vegas would be another really good one, too. I think those two cultures really will show up well in that game. As far as the women's basketball side, um, I guess I'd probably go with the Michigan one um, that you mentioned as well, Scotty B. If they're able to play them, I think that'll be the best matchup uh, on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, those should be pretty good. Uh, I would say, I, yeah, I mean, Maryland makes the most sense. I'm sitting here looking quickly at their schedules, and um, who'd you say for the men? Um, uh, Gonzaga and and, well, yeah. and Virginia. Virginia's interesting, but Gonzaga's the headliner. That's going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah, yeah. number three, uh, or I guess they were number three last year when the Lady Bears played Maryland um, and lost in a narrow game, 79-76. to 76. I yeah. was looking at those last year's schedule. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely looking forward to Gonzaga and the Baylor men. That ought to be great. And uh, with Nikki Collin and the Baylor women, uh, should be an interesting follow-up. But, uh, again, Maryland in late November seems like a pretty safe bet on a 
a non-con game to uh, have circled for sure. Thanks, Scotty. Uh, Brown BW, who will get the most carries besides our top two? I'm thinking of our running backs stay healthy. Fleeks might be the guy, but if we have significant injury, they may not redshirt Reese and turn him loose. Yeah, I actually don't think Fleeks is going to be one of the guys that gets the most carries. I think it's going to be Quaylen or Richard Reese, and I'm kind of leaning towards Richard Reese at the moment. I just think he's explosive, and he has crazy speed, and just his one-cut ability is awesome. Um the thing with Quaylen is Quaylen's going to move the chains, and I think he'll be more of a short yardage back who will wear on teams. Um, so maybe he ends up getting more carries, but if I were to bet right now, I, I think I'd go with Richard Reese. Yeah, um, I'll side with you on that. I mean, you obviously have heard some some scuttlebutt about him, and I've you know seen him out there a little bit, and he looks good. I mean, the only thing is he is just a freshman, kind of throwing him into the fire. But, yeah, he seems like he's the – Best example of squirrel not named squirrel uh, yeah, to kind of do what they want to do. He is old for a freshman, I yeah. believe. I think he's more like like 19 or 20. Like he's older for his grade, so he's not necessarily the age of a normal freshman, which is good. Might be able to get on the field mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah, uh, excited to see him, and um, he'll get he'll, he'll get some burn. I yeah. think we'll definitely see him get some burn against Albany and, and elsewhere, but uh, looking forward to, to watching him right out of the gates. Uh, Yankee Bear, when interviews are done between media and players, coaches, why does John Warner always go first? Uh, great question. I don't know why. I think at this point it's just some sort of weird tradition, um, but it's basically been that way since I got here, and I've been here now for several years, um, and it's just always kind of been that way. Um, no other explanation outside of that. I've definitely interrupted that on more than one occasion, um, intentionally and not intentionally. Um, so I've just, I like to rattle cages sometimes, but yeah, that's just kind of how it, it always goes. I mean, it used to be, I know when Taylor Bryan was here as the SID, it'd be like, okay, John, start us off. Yeah. So like, that's how it ended up being. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that John's always right next to the person, right. whereas all the camera people are kind of, you know, back a little bit. And so I think it's just natural for the guy standing right next to him to get a question in, Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. That's the uh, best way to explain it. I think is just kind of just what happens and uh yeah he's always cut you know right next to whoever it is that's that's talking so that, that makes some sense but yeah that's just how it sort of goes um your daily cup check uh start bench cut rg3 johnny football tim tebow yeah um i'm starting rg3 and i'm benching johnny football and i'm cutting tim tebow and i know this is gonna rattle a lot of cages i understand that but for me, if RG3 or Johnny Football had that Florida team, they would have won championship as well. I, I firmly believe that. I, I, Tebow was amazing, great story, impactful college football player, one of the most impactful ever. But his team was really loaded. I think the other two quarterbacks had to do more with less. Yeah, I'd start RG3. I'd uh, bench Tebow, and I'd cut Johnny Football. Uh, Johnny, Johnny culture killer. Um, no, I mean, he's... <laughs> He obviously was good for the culture back then at A&M for the most part, and he was amazing in, in what he did. But, uh, yeah, Tebow's got two national titles under his belt. No matter if you know Aaron Hernandez or the Pouncey Twins or Percy Harvin or whoever, I mean, every national championship team, like we don't negate you know Miami because they had 25 first-rounders on their 2001 team. Like you wouldn't like dismiss Willis McGahee, as, would you? I mean, I would say that Ken Dorsey was really good, but do I think Ken Dorsey was like a surreal talent? That's one of the fair. best college football players I've ever seen? No. You know what I mean? Like, you can still sure. discount. It's like if Tim Tebow was at Baylor, is he 
carrying them really far? I don't think so. If RG3 was on that Florida team, would they have won the championship? I think so. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, I'm not arguing Tebow and RG3, though. I'm arguing Tebow and Johnny Football, but I see your point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Johnny, his first year, my goodness, that A&M team was good, but they no one thought they were going to win anything. And they ended up being, by the end of the year, they were an early season loss away from being in the national championship with mm-hmm. that team. I know he had Mike Evans, so that helps, but good God, their defense was terrible. In the SEC, too, which you usually can't get away with that. Yep, so, um, yeah, I'd still go Tebow over Johnny. Johnny was great, but, um, you know, uh, Tebow did. Like you said, I mean, Ken Dorsey didn't necessarily put Miami over the top, but, uh, you know, Tebow was was no slouch either. I don't want to totally negate that he was, you know, just riding yeah, the coattails. For sure. Uh, Mikey, hey, fellas, thanks again for the great work as always. How many quarters do you all expect the first team to play this first game? Whew, not very many. Uh, I'll say they'll play quarter and a half. Uh, I'll say they'll play two and a half quarters. I think they're definitely – most guys are going to play at least the first half, I would assume, um, and then maybe a little bit of the third. I mean, there's just uh, there's a lot of young guys out there. I mean, I understand trying to protect your players. Um, you're not going to have, like, your O-line out there, first team starting the fourth quarter, I wouldn't think, but you got to give them some some run. And, um, yeah, I would think at least a, at least the first half and maybe a little bit of the third. But we will see. This should be one of those games where that's – Basically, naming when you want to take starters out, though, um, and if it's not, then that would be some reason for some reason very nightmare scenario. I can't foresee one that would be like that. But I, I think you're probably right. It's probably more like a half now that I think about it because they do play BYU the next week. It's not like mm-hmm. they get to play Texas State, so they do need more reps. So I think it'll probably be more like a half. Maybe they leak into the third, but hopefully not longer than that. They they really don't need their they don't need Blake Shape and run around out there in the third quarter or fourth quarter. Right. Uh, do y'all expect this year's BYU game to be tougher, closer than last year? I would have preferred having the Texas State game before BYU for, before, uh, for extra practice. I agree. I think the Texas State game would have been better to have there. I think it will be closer because last year the score was not as close as the final score was. I think it, was, it ended up being 14 points. That was pretty much a 20-point game once you got into the fourth quarter. Baylor was clearly better. I think this year will probably be, you know, 10-point win for Baylor, something along those lines. So closer. A little tougher. I would think a little tougher. Uh, quarterback, Jaron Hall's older. Uh, Puka Nakua is back. He's another year older. Um, it's in Provo. I mean, yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of reasons why this should be tougher than last year, but uh, not a, a, you know, not a uh, – it's a winnable game. I don't know what I was trying to go the opposite with, but it was a, it's a winnable game. Still remains that way. I still think Baylor will be favorites, but, yeah, definitely tougher to get out of there. Um, with last year, they had a little bit of breathing room. Uh, Ryan Allen Long, I'm looking forward to Baylor at BYU this year. Being able to see their stadium in Provo, Lavelle Edwards Stadium looks like a tremendous setting and the weather should be great. This trip got me thinking about my college football stadium bucket list. My remaining bucket list includes Florida, the Rose Bowl, and the Big House, just to name a few. Which stadiums are on your guys' list? Thanks, I will hang up and listen. Yeah, I think the Horseshoe and the Big House are both on my list. So that's Michigan, Ohio State. I would love to go to either of those. Uh, I've never been uh, to either one. So those would be really cool. Uh, you mentioned the Rose Bowl. I think that'd be fun as well. Um, and really all of those SEC schools. Like, I've been to Kyle Field. It was pretty cool. But, you know, going to LSU, I haven't been to an LSU game, and I know those get crazy. So that'd be a lot of fun as well. Those, that's probably on my list. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any? Oh, maybe Otson. Otson would be cool too up in Oregon. 
Yeah, I'd like to see uh, Nebraska um, and just the Big Red Sea. Like to see no, I mean the ones that you mentioned. I think that's everybody's. If you haven't been to those places, those are on your list. But yeah, I mean, um, I'd say my top two would probably be Nebraska, Notre Dame, and then after that, the ones that you mentioned. Uh, uh, well, not Florida necessarily. Although the swamp would be cool, it'd probably be like tier three. Yeah, um, but yeah, Nebraska, same. Notre Dame, and then Rose Bowl, um, horseshoe, horseshoe, and, and big house, and then you know getting to tier three and getting to some of those others. Yeah. But yeah, those are all. Those are all cool venues and, and definitely have not seen any of those just yet, so hopefully I can change that in the next few years. Uh, Mode Up 9, updates on Squirrel. We kind of talked about him earlier. I, I think that he's – I think he might play in the Albany game, but I would guess that he's probably going to be more geared up and ready to go for the BYU game. I, I don't see them giving him his normal amount of touches against Albany, um, even if he can play in that game. We'll see. Yeah, um, nothing to report. I mean, again, Aranda doesn't really say a whole lot about injuries. He said what he said about Squirrel last week and just kind of being precautionary and, you know, mm-hmm. taking it easy. And it's frustrating. But, yeah, I, I would be shocked if we see him against Albany. I mean, why? Yeah. Why? Um, unless he's just – you're confident enough in his health. But then again, like, you know, you can't really, like, pick and choose. Like, oh, he'll be healthy this game against right. this team. So, I mean, it is what it is, and you're just going to have to throw him out there at some point. But um, just nothing. Pray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically just fingers crossed and hope that he's okay. Um, but the good news is, is that they did have an MRI, which is why I, you know, the scuttlebutt was out there that he was hurt, and then I finally saw him that day in the indoor after not seeing him out there uh, on the field. And I only put that on the private message boards. Like, I didn't run to Twitter and say he's hurt or anything like that. Um, But, you know, clearly, you know, it's of note because he's supposed to be the starting running back this year or, you know, one of the starting running backs. And um, when you've had the injury history that he's had, I mean, it's notable when he's sitting there off to the side. And granted, it was a rain day, but that wasn't because it was a rain day. That's because it could have been dry and, you know, 190 degrees outside, and he still would have been in that indoor doing those drills because he was hurt. So, yeah, um, remains to be seen, but nothing past what Dave Aranda said last weekend. Um, so, fingers crossed. He, he deserves a full season, man. He really does. I, I really hope he gets it this year. Coach DeBroker, I have nothing just ready for the season to start. You and me both, Coach. Same. Just a bear and frog world. Seems like we haven't heard from Jeff Grimes much. Any intel as to what the big chef is cooking in the kitchen? How would you describe his place as a leader on the team in relation to how him and DA work together? Okay, so, I mean, Intel, I mean, he's, I think they're definitely changing up the offense a little bit. I mean, it's still a wide zone, don't get me wrong, but I think they're going to attack the vertical parts of the field much more. I think you're going to see Blake Shapin take many more chances. I think they're going to create more time in the pocket for him to take shots deep downfield as well. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of play action, just like you saw last year, a physical running game. But I think the explosivity of the offense specifically is what they're working on hanging into this year. As far as a leader on the team, I mean, he's a leader with the offense, of course. Uh, him and Eric Mateo specifically, really, I think they have a great relationship, and I think that really helps things, along with Sean Bell. You know, just that whole staff, really cohesive, and I think he's a leader with it, but I think he allows his coaches to really develop those position groups extremely well, which I think helps. You know, anytime you have, uh, you know, the, the head guy, handing out these responsibilities, but allowing those guys to really work on their craft is a big deal. And so I think that's what he's done. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he's like some dictator or whatnot on the offensive side. He's definitely not. He's he's a very good offense coordinator in my eyes because of that. 
Yeah, he's a head coach the next couple of years somewhere. Yep. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that, and he carries himself like a you know like a future head coach and uh, like somebody who's built for that job. And I think um, there's a lot of respect with him and Aranda. And you know, Aranda made an incredible move in being able to to get him and Eric Mateos, and uh, obviously played big roles in and then winning a title last year. So, yeah, I think the the relationship's great, but Grimes is like a lot of other guys on staff. That's why I keep saying, like, enjoy it while it lasts because there's just there's too much star power. There's too many guys who are going to be head coaches in the future, and, you know, it's just impossible to keep that all together. But the great news is that Dave Aranda tree is going to explode, I mean, in yeah. short fashion. Um, but, yeah, Grimes is, is the real deal, and part of the reason why you haven't heard much is because they don't talk. They don't talk in the preseason. Uh, there's no assistant coach interviews, just like last year. So uh, that worked out well for them last year. They're going with that same method. So the next time we hear from Jeff Grimes, it'd probably be like bowl practices or something like that, way far out. But, no, he's he's doing the damn thing and uh, doing it well. Northwestern Bear, this is a comment more than a question. The talent you guys exhibit, ability to recruit impactful guests right now, and your national connections speak to the journey we are all in together. That is Baylor becoming a recognizable brand that fosters excellence and a winning culture. Your team comes across as a bunch of pros. Very impressive. Thank you for helping the school we love with your professionalism. Well, I'm not sure what that's in relation to. I guess Sikkim 365 radio and this podcast and everything. And um, if that's correct, I believe that it is, then thank you very much, Northwestern Bear. Really appreciate those kind words. Flomo Mike, in the football recruiting world, which schools besides Baylor do you have the most respect for and least respect for based on their tactics? I don't know. I'll excuse myself here because I really don't know enough about, at this stage, what everybody's doing behind the scenes and all that, and I don't even know how much you could really yeah, shed light on that. That's true. I guess if, if it's all speculation, I guess we shouldn't say, but I don't. Oh, I, I really don't know. Yeah. So, like, if you're basing it on something, then go right ahead. I, I just don't have a ton of respect for, like, that little – situation that happened in the sec between jimbo and nick saban where you know you got two guys who are acting completely innocent in all that they've ever done and if you want to stand by that that's cool that's fine but i don't believe that for one second that none of them have ever done anything wrong and that jimbo knows nothing about nil and that you know then jimbo talking about nick saban as well i don't have a lot of respect for that beef because you know one's trying to kind of out the other while the other one's trying to say oh i'm an angel and i don't respect that from programs now as far as most respect i think i can kind of maybe get more specific on that i respect clemson a lot i think that's a very respectable program kind of their journey and how they've built a program and established something that has turned them into basically a blue blood in the sport really impressed by what they've done um they've always been very high on my respect list i I really respect utah as well they've kind of finally reached this point under Kyle Whittingham where they're they've always won but now they're winning even bigger and have an opportunity to win at a much higher level so those are two teams that I kind of point out that I kind of look at and go you know kind of similar culture to Baylor a little bit and what they're building kind of reminds me a little bit of Baylor as well and I respect that you clearly haven't uh, met Utah fans on Twitter, however, because <laughs> they are the absolute... Uh, they're the worst. Oh, they're not They're not great. They're no. really not, and they embrace that. So, yeah, that's... Which, I mean, to the point where there are some people that very tongue-in-cheek will say, like, yeah, I wouldn't want them in the Big 12 just based mm, simply off their fan base. Gotcha. Did, what did you do? Say they're going 11 and 1? I haven't said anything. <laughs> I've just observed how uh, some others have had interactions <laughs> with them. And, um, you know, obviously... 
it's not like the entire group, but they've got enough people that are rowdy enough, I guess, that there's a reputation that's yeah. grown about Utah fans. But, they're yeah, gonna, you're right about Whittingham and the program. It's it's not a knock on them at yeah, all. Yeah, they're going to change their tune when Oregon leaves to the Big Ten. Oh, they're no, they're praying. they're very confident that they have nothing to worry about, mm, Grayson. I'm telling okay. you right now, go go check out Utah fans. Wow. It's a, it's a whole experience. <laughs> and I will um, – I, I don't know if I'm saying your name right, so apologies. Big 12 win totals, favorite over bet and favorite under bet, not Baylor. Um, man, I'm I'm such not a gambler, but uh, for reference, um, and he lists out the various over unders for the the Big Twelve schools here. Yeah, so Baylor is a great bet. We've talked about them a lot. Seven and a half wins. I know you said not Baylor, but they are a great bet. Just confirming that. My favorite under bet is Texas. I don't think they're winning eight and a half games. I think they're more like an eight and four, seven and five team this year. So they're probably my favorite under. My favorite over bet. I think it's Kansas State. I think at six and a half, that just seems far too low. I think they're at worst a seven and five team, probably going to finish eight and four. So I, I love that bet. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Texas at eight and a half, that just seems really. It's second best odds in the conference. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. if Nayor was healthy, I could at least shoot on it a little bit more. But... And they play Bama, so yeah. they're one of the only teams that's a for sure. Yeah, I'm loss. not buying Texas at eight and a half wins, so I'll go under on that. And then over bets, um, um, kind of staring at West Virginia for some reason. Do it. It's I for for me. It's either K State or West Virginia is my favorite over. Yeah, what the hell? Baylor. I'll go uh, West Virginia. One. Yeah, I mean, I I think they should at bare minimum be a bowl team. They made yeah. a bowl game last year, and I know they lost some players, but um, yeah, you brought in J T. Daniels, and there's all this hype now. I mean, you should dang sure get to a bowl game so yeah i'll go west virginia on the uh, on the over uh, or on the under bet i guess over, or over bet yeah yeah. yeah yeah uh so yeah uh there you go i'll go west virginia there uh doc crow if you could schedule any team for a home and away in any sport who would it be uh texas a&m and what football in, yeah football for sure i i just think that would be a lot of fun I, I love – it's not necessarily the biggest known rivalry, but it is a little bit of a rivalry, and I, I would love to play A&M again. I think, yeah, like I said, it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of choices here. Um, I don't know. I think Notre Dame rolling into Waco would be kind of cool. But, like, I also had Ohio State throw – you know, flash through my head. So, like, yeah. I mean, any number of teams I think would be cool. I don't really have a – like a, man, I would kill to see that. A&M, I know that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Um, and, and I think it probably might be like the fan poll mm-hmm. top vote getter. Uh, but yeah, I think like a, a Notre Dame, like some program of that or Ohio state, like that's sort yeah. of stature rolling into McLean stadium and having to play in front of 45,000 mm-hmm. people would be kind of fun. Um, they have Oregon and Auburn on their futures, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those will be that. Those will be two they're really close, good ones. Yeah, they're close enough um, that they'll definitely be the biggest teams they've rolled through in quite a while. So that'll that'll be fun. But yeah, I think like you know, those big big top brands would be pretty cool. Or Alabama, like that would be awesome to see them yeah. roll into McLean. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my head's at. Uh, does KRD keep his red shirt this year? Talking about Kyan Roberts Day. Yeah, I think he red shirts this season. Based on what I've seen, yeah, he looks like he's just. I don't know that he's found his home just yet. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he's like found that uh, that spot for him where he's mm-hmm. going to be to the end of his career just yet. He's a work in progress, but yeah, I think he red shirts. Is Apu gone after this year? I think so. Probably just because of where he plays, and you know, 
he seems like a guy who's not like bound for five years in college or yeah. want to stick around. If he's got the opportunity to go, I think he'll go. And, and, you know, again, that position is very unique. So what does he have to gain? Like everyone knows what he is. You right. know what I mean? Like he's a nose tackle. He's not getting any level. taller. No, he's not getting taller. Even if he gets more sacks, he still is, you know, filled into this position. So I, I don't know that he helps his draft stock by coming back. Yeah, I think everybody knows who he is at this point. I mean, yeah. if you talk to like opposing coaches, they all like refer to him by name or a lot of them like that knows at Baylor. Mm -hmm. So he's made his mark. And if he plays, you know, like he did last year and a bit better, you would expect. And yeah, I don't see what's going to really hold him. To, to Waco, quite yeah, frankly. Better chance of getting, like, Gabe Hall back, even though I think Gabe could blow up this year. But if Gabe only has, like, six sacks this season, there's a great chance he comes back, you know, whereas with Apu, it's, I don't think it's stat-reliant. Yep. Um, agreed. Uh, Baylor Bear 2022, anyone not healthy heading into week one? Uh, Khalil Keith probably won't, or not probably, he's almost definitely not going to play week one. Uh, Squirrel, we don't know if he'll play. Um Al, I think Al's going to play. I know he's been dealing with that injury. Yeah, um, that was another one that I popped on the message board was uh, Al Walcott's big old cast that he yeah. was wearing. So I don't know if he's going to play. Uh, I kind of, I mean, I would think that he would, but I don't know that they need him in game one. So Yeah, I don't know what, I mean, it was a, like he had a basketball cast on his hand. I mean, it was just like a big, you know, like a basketball on the end <laughs> of his fist, uh, the way that it was wrapped up. Now, that was like a week ago, so maybe it's, you know, lesser tape at this point but it was just a big old ball of tape on the end of his hand so you couldn't even like grip even a little bit like when Kalen Barnes had his cast and he could at least kind of yeah. move his finger like this was just a ball of tape <laughs> so I don't know how effective that would really leave a cornerback um, if you can't grab a guy's jersey or do anything you know really that you would typically do um, well so, he's playing star now so maybe that's true maybe yeah I mean I it, not a lot of coverage I guess but yeah I was kind of wondering about you know, the, the give and take of that, like how that would work if you only got really one hand to work with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, but he'd be somebody that potentially you could see. But, yeah, Squirrel's definitely, a, I would think, a probably a no-go for game one. I just I don't know why you'd throw him out there versus Albany unless you just feel super confident about his knee and then Khalil Keys, yeah. So, outside of that, I don't know that we'll really hear anything from Dave Aranda, um, you know, until we get to the game and then kind of can cross-check the rosters. Uh, Excalibur, you may already be doing about the request. Uh, podcast link, Grayson already took care of that. Uh, Bear in the Big Green House, what's a hot take each of you have for the Big 12 football season? Why do you think it'll come to fruition? Ooh, um, hot take, hot take. Um, I think the winner of the Big 12 is going to make the college football playoff. That's a hot take, I think, right? Yeah, I think that's a pretty hot take. Uh, I, why do I think it'll come to fruition? Um, and why is it Oklahoma? Yeah, well, I was telling uh, Garrett this. I think last year we saw the first year where a group of five team made the college football playoff, and this is going to be the first year where a two-loss team makes the college football playoff. Okay. That's why. All right. Anybody in particular that you've circled? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Baylor and Oklahoma are going to play in the Big 12 championship game. Okay. I think both are going to be 10-2 and two going into that game. Um, so the winner, I think, will give themselves a shot the, uh, at the college football playoff. I think Baylor will win that game. So they have a shot. But I also it also goes in line with I also think Utah will be 11-2 and two as well. So there'll be kind of a, a big matchup there. But I, I think... Specifically, the Big Twelve. I think they're going to make the college football playoff this year. All right, uh, that's definitely a hot take. I, I, I'm trying to think of one that's like a hot take. I mean, 
I don't know. I feel like I've pretty much said everything on the Big 12, and I don't know that anything is really a hot take at this point because um, I don't have, like, I think TCU's going to suck and everybody else thinks they're going to win seven games. Like, I don't have one of those in mind. Do you um, think K-State will make the Big 12 championship? No. No. Yeah, so then. No. No. Could it be Baylor-Oklahoma State again? A rematch? It could be, but I'm not as high on Oklahoma State as a lot of people mm-hmm. seem to be. Like, I, I mean, I understand they're – they're going to be good, but I don't know why everybody's just assuming they're going to be as good as last year. Yeah, um, I, I have them nine and three, so a step back. But yeah, I mean that's that's a really good year. Um, yeah, I mean that's a, that's that's a step back, like you said, but that's not that bad. But yeah, um, but that's not a hot take if they're nine and three. Yeah, no. Like that's that's not like no. a, a massive step backwards. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really. Ha- I, I mean, I'll say I don't think Steve Sarkeesian's on the hot seat at all. But I don't think that's really a hot take. Do you think anyone will win Heisman or anything? No. Nope. Yeah, so. <laughs> I really don't. No, yeah. not in the Big Twelve. No. Um, I mean, Bijan would probably be your best candidate for that, but yeah. I don't. I'm not really banking on that because I. I just don't think he's going to shine enough for for him to go win a Heisman mm-hmm. um, and for that team overall. So yeah, I'll have to get back to you on that. I don't really have a scorching take at this point. That's like all that controversial. Excalibur said thanks to Grayson and Alpha Needle. Has Kyron Drone solidified the QB two spot? I think so. I think at this point he is the quarterback two going into the year, which is great for him. That's a great sign of positive improvement, which we've seen during the fall. I, I've been impressed with Kyron. He's really uh, taken that QB two spot very seriously and rolled with it since Gary left. And I think he's showing the signs that everyone saw, you know, the talent that he had coming out of high school. So he's getting there. He's getting there. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. So uh, it's been good to see you know him just kind of grow more comfortable. And obviously there's a lot of questions anytime you're talking about quarterback and having to be patient and not winning a starting job and things like that. So I'm sure there will be more scuttlebutt about Kyron Drones and kind of where he fits in and all that. But, yeah, I would expect him to be the first man up if something were to go awry with Shapin. And I think they'd have some confidence in Drones to be able to, you know, play well. So, um, yeah, I think I think he's done so. Like Grayson said, Alpha Needle to uh, to your point or to your question. Um, and I'm trying to think if I could fit in a hot take, and I'm just I'm not coming up with anything. I don't think anything. I'm uh, is like all that hot takey. Like I don't think Sark's on a hot seat. I think he's the coach no matter what happens this year, barring like a scandal erupting. How bad do you think they'll be? Like that. I don't would think be they'll be bad. Take. Okay. So yeah, like, I think they'll be good. I don't think they're going to be like winning a national title under Ewers in year one, like some people are so acting. Like eight and four. Yeah, I think okay. they'll be yeah. somewhere so in that range. No. Um, what about no CFP? I don't think that's 12? a hot take because that's kind of the yeah. Big 12's history outside of OU. Right. I mean, the hot take is saying they will have somebody besides OU yeah. being it because that's never happened before. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would be hot takey. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, sorry. Sorry, I don't have anything, but uh, I'll try to give it some more thought. But, yeah, I'm just not a hot take general to begin with, really. So, it's not really my, my forte, but uh, I'm sure there's something I'm not thinking of. Anything before we go here, Grayson? Yeah, we got one more question. I think it came in late from Darth Mellon. And Darth Mellon asked, which is more likely, West Virginia goes 8-4 and four or Texas goes 5-7? and seven? Uh, West Virginia goes eight and four, I think. I think so too. Texas going five and seven. I just don't see that happening. They have they have some pretty winnable games on their schedule. Yeah, I I think they've got winnable games on their schedule, and I just think that like, I mean, not making a bowl game in year number two would be. Uh, I mean, that would put Sark yeah. on the on the hot seat. It wouldn't get him fired. It would put him on the hot seat. Um, 
And I could see that, but yeah, I think I'd lean more towards West Virginia. I think West Virginia might be sneaky pretty good um, with JT Daniels. Yeah, their only downside that's tough to get them to eight is the fact that they got to play Pitt and at Virginia Tech in the non-conference. Mm-hmm. Like, just a dreadful non-conference yeah. like, compared to some others. So, that's the only thing going against them, but five and seven for Texas. That Now, if you told me that was your hot take, that'd be a scorching take. That would be no, insane. No, I don't think they'll be that bad. It'd yeah. be great to see it, but I mean, like, they're Vegas totals eight and a half. So that would be nearly four games worse than they're expected to be. That'd yeah. be pretty shocking. So, yeah, I wish I could say that with confidence, but I don't believe that'll happen. Um, I think they'll be at least a bowl team. Um, and then, yeah, West Virginia, you're right. I mean, that was my little, uh, my over under, you know, but I was picking between what them and who was it? TCU, I think. Yeah. Um, and TCU, I mean, I, I don't know if they're all set up to go straight into the bowl season, um, but. Um, I think they'll they'll be an interesting team with Sonny Dykes. I mean, they should be super competitive. Yeah, I have them going under their win total. Okay. Isn't it at six and a half? Yeah, I think yeah. That was the one I was looking back on, and that might be a better call than West Virginia going over. Actually, but yeah, it could be. I had a I had posted my bets the other day, and that was definitely one that I'm eyeing. That's a that's a lot of wins for a team that's doing a complete culture shift from you know offense, well defense to offense and. Mm-hmm. Simple fact, Maris St. Dykes, outside of winning at, T- at SMU, a, a non-Power 5 school, he really has not got it done at the Power 5 level consistently. Well, and they're also very busy having Twitter beef with SMU, uh, and based tech. on what I've seen, and Tech. So they're a little <laughs> preoccupied with the season around the corner. I hope that doesn't distract them too much. But their social media teams have been very busy fighting off bullies. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I, that's one I look back on now a few minutes later, and I could definitely go under on TCU six and a half, or I could see that at least. Mm-hmm. But I'll stick with West Virginia winning more than five and a half, even though that non-con's a little bit daunting. But, again, I'm not a Vegas guy, so take that for what it's worth. But I think it'll be close, so we'll see. Uh, all right, uh, anything before we go here, Grayson? No, just, I mean, it's an exciting time, and we're about to really ramp up our coverage uh, starting next week as we get ready to preview Albany. So be sure to check out the premium side. We're going to have all kinds of articles. I mean, Jack and I are having trouble fitting everyone in the schedule. We have just so much content that we're going to put out next week. And then, of course, uh, 365 Sports Radio, you are going to have, I'm sure, tons of guests as the season gets rolling. So really excited about that as well, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 on YouTube. Yep, and we do appreciate all those who uh, check out all the various offerings across the website. Uh, do uh, look very much forward to talking about some games here beginning next week and uh, then after being able to actually look back on actual performances and who did what and all that very soon. Uh, that's that's going to be very, very soon. So that's good. And uh, until next time, I uh, do appreciate everybody behind the scenes here making uh, all the magic happen. And appreciate uh, partners, of course, uh, you know, Brian and Ashley and Colt, everything that they've done to give us the uh, opportunity and the platform as well. So uh, good team effort and uh, a lot of good things in store, as Grayson alluded to. So stay tuned and uh, keep checking back. We'll be back with you next week for another edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com. <laughs>